You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Making Waves Welcome everyone to Making Waves. This is episode 11, so we are one louder this week. And uh well, obviously, welcome everyone on this Wednesday evening. Thank you for taking the, the time to be with us tonight. And we have a very special guest tonight. You guys know him, you love him. Um, this is Ben Wells from Blackstone Cherry. Ben, thank you for joining us. What is going on? Good to see you all. Hey, guys out there in Shiprock Lane, if you're following us on Shiprocked Facebook Live tonight, and this is your first time to follow us, uh, as you're watching tonight, you can go into the comment section. And if you have a question for Ben, by all, by all means, please post that, and we'll try to get to that. Uh, but remember, uh, keep it within a you know certain rating. Anywho, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, you guys, I want to introduce our, obviously the host here, Chad. You guys know Chad from uh, Wilson. He's also the uh, host of Shiprock 20, and he'd be host of Shiprock 21, which we'll be selling in May of 2021. So, um what we're going to do now is just basically let two artists talk and uh, we'll chime in here from time to time. But remember, get those questions in and uh, let's have fun for the next hour. All right. Thanks, Ben. Chad, it's all you guys. What's up, Ben? How's it going, man? Good to see you, man. You, you're you like the most happiest looking person every time I see you. I've never seen Ben Wells without like an instantaneous smile on his face. And that's infectious, man. So thanks for being I, here, dude. I appreciate that. I like to think that, uh, you know, I'm a pretty... Uh, I try to be as positive as I can and just be a happy-go-lucky dude. Even though I do stress myself out uh, more times than often, uh, I'm like, hey, it's just it's all good is my mantra. It's all good all the time. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I have to imagine that during these peri- this time, uh, you know, with your, the whole band being uh, kind of like sheltered and not able to do the things that you love and then trying to figure out what's next has got to be quite a stressful period of time to begin with. And then on top of it, here you are talking to our asses on a, <laughs> on a Wednesday about it all. Are, are you happy? Is everybody to, happy there? We're all trying to keep ourselves busy. You know what I mean? Absolutely, uh, man. You know, honestly, it's been bizarre. Like for us, we were, um, we were recording the new album in March of this year. So we were like in the studio recording while the world was shutting down and we were, you know, ah. everything was starting to come out and happen. And, I remember being in the studio and looking on our phones going, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, like what is, you know, we didn't know. We had tours scheduled, like, coming up in uh, April and May and, and, and some summer stuff in June. And we're supposed to go to the U.K. next month, actually. And we just kept seeing one thing after another just get either postponed or canceled. Postponed, canceled. We're like, oh, man, this is, this is a bad deal. But um, the good thing for us is during the initial onset of the pandemic, we were in the studio – so it kept us like um, it kept us happy and excited and, and very creative at that time, you know. Also, we were like, we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the year, so let's put everything we have into this record because you know we don't know what's going to go on. Yeah, I, I have I have so many questions about this period of time because I didn't know. One of my questions was when were you recording this record? And the record was is called the Human Condition, and if I understand it correctly, it comes out on October thirtieth. So we're about a yeah. month out, right? Yeah. Um, and you said in March you started to record this about what time frame were you like in in the shit if you will uh when it popped up or had you like even started tracking where were you at in the process at that point in time we started like on the first of March and mm. I, I think I remember it being I think I remember like the first day of spring was when like uh, I guess the White House or something had made the announcement like hey things are not good <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Uh, the world's about to go crazy 
Um, and I think I remember that. But yeah, we started it first uh, of March. So we kicked off the album and we're doing it and everything. And then we kind of progressively, as each day went on, there was something else different, you know, popping up in the news and popping up. And uh, we, honestly, we tried to keep ourselves focused on what's happening in the world, but not so much, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I'm never one to, I don't want to consume myself so much with just bad news, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Topical I can only take shit. so much of it. Yeah. Um, so we, we just kind of kept our nose to the grindstone and was like, okay, let's just, you know, we're in the studio, we're here to do a job. Um, but that, you know, what was going on in the world kind of reflected into what we were doing in the studio because we were like, well, like I was saying, we knew that we wanted the album to come out this year. Um, so we were like, well, we don't know if we're going to get to tour this year, but if the last thing we do this year is put out an album, it's got to be the absolute best thing we can possibly do not that it wouldn't be otherwise you know but especially this year you know yeah uh, we, absolutely we, we didn't want to be victims of 2020 in any form and you know we wanted to have something to show for this year in some way if we couldn't go out and tour and do this we had to have something to show for ourselves and that's right. kind of the energy and maybe some of the frustration and the anger and the confusion that we had from watching some of these things on the news we just put that energy into uh, the performance on the album yeah. Hey, ben, real quick, I had a question. You guys had this kind of 1970s work ethic as a band where you album, the album tour cycles, boom, 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 boom. There's no, there's not really too many. I mean, you obviously take a break for family or whatever, but um, do you feel then releasing this album near the end of the, the last quarter of the album of the year? I mean, it kind of springboards you into 2021 where you can have a little lag time where, you know, God forbid you're a band that put an album out in April or May right you almost feel imagine. like you've got to record a new damn album or do something yes. it kind of feels like now you can kind of go into your spring which hopefully you'll find road work do you feel like there this is actually kind of a nice progression for you guys where you can just kind of move kind of seamlessly honestly i said we said the same thing we said you know as as much as this sucks for every single band on the planet or artist you know on the planet right now it's like if we had had an album come out january february march april any of that kind of stuff like we would just be dead in the water to a degree. You know what I mean? We, we couldn't promote it if we wanted to, like in person, you know, especially yeah. in, in the early days of spring and summer. Um, it, 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 the silver lining, the blessing behind it all is that we had planned on putting it out at the end of the year. Um, and we talked about it with management and label. It would, do we hold this until next year? But then if we hold it till next year, you know, at, at what point do we go, okay, things are good next year. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, let's sure. just stick with the plan you know it gives us something to look forward to and mm -hmm. i think it gives our fans something to look forward to knowing that there's at least going to be some something new coming out something to be excited about you know we we all have to have something to be excited about in life and and thousand percent yeah and we put this out there we're like look we're still going to release it we might not be able to tour behind it like we want to or like mm -hmm. we normally would but we still have to have something going on we still have to keep ourselves active and and in the public eye to some degree Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crucial too. I mean, like you said, uh, the idea of your happiness, it transcends when you're talking about music and the idea of what, what we do as a living, it transcends way further than you can ever imagine it transcending. So if you guys are holding tight and sad and you're like, we don't know what to do with this beautiful creation that we, we made during this downtime and your fans are going to feel they're going to see the emptiness out there. They're going to see when they go to your website or your socials and they don't see activity their hearts are going to hurt even further. So even even if you don't get to uh, react to the reaction, I mean, to the um, release the same as you normally would in a traditional non-pandemic year, at least putting that glimmer of happiness inside of yourself will spread itself. Well, you know, um, as our job and our responsibility, I mean, we're all human beings and we all go through these different things. We're all feeling these things together. But if you're in I firmly believe that if you're in the entertainment industry, yeah. you know, as one of my favorite artists, Jimmy Buffett, once said, we're all court jesters. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what we are. Our job is to entertain. And even though we're everybody's in this together, literally, um, we still have to entertain and keep people yeah. happy. That's what people turn to music even on, on a good day. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, yeah. In good years where everything is going great, people still have bad days and they have to turn to music or movies or something to take their mind off of what they're going through at work or personal or whatever. So even though we're all dealing with it together, it's like we still have a responsibility to ourselves Absolutely. and to our fans out there to, you know, one of our, our ship rockers, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. One of our ship rockers actually kind of tied in a point where you're saying, Ben, is like she, this is Kelly. Um, she's stoked when she can get a CD or the music before the tour happens because then it all of a sudden becomes part of you. You know the songs, you know when to sing during the chorus when you're there, you know. So you're not coming into it going, well, what song is this? Oh, this sounds pretty good. I'll go get the album. I already know it by heart. This is going to be right. amazing. So there definitely is a, a bright side to all of that. And she and she pointed it out. So thank you, Kelly. Yeah. So I just want to I just want to let you know that that, no. that people are, think that way obviously. So a very good point. Time. There's no, there's no better feeling than going out and there's a weird feeling when you go out and tour. If you put out a song maybe for a month and then you go on tour and you play that song live and you're expecting everybody to be excited but it's still catching on, maybe not enough people have heard it yet and you're like, "Dang. Why is nobody <laughs> singing this?" you know? Yeah. But so there is a good thing about having it out there in enough time where people can kind of get used to it. Hopefully uh, by the time we do get back on the road, this new album of ours won't be old, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, ho- and hopefully, <laughs> yeah, you can really gauge like how, uh, like how to shape the piece of shit yeah. that you put out in the world. No right. matter. It's been out too months. long. Yeah. Well, also, I, I think it's so relevant as the name of the album. Yeah, right. exactly. I was going to ask you. Did I you, mean, you kind of you... like forecasting was amazing on this one. <laughs> Or did you have another? Or did you have another title? I was going to ask because it's perfectly aligned. I, I don't know where you were at the writing session. That's the other, the, other, the writing portion of the of the record. Were you that already done? Boom, signed, signed, sealed, delivered. Or did it kind of like shape throughout the process of pandemic starting to record, changing in a years? What do you do? Justin makes a perfect uh, point here. We had several songs uh, written. Uh, previously, uh, some of the songs ha- we had written like years ago that we knew we kind of, there were just like pieces and ideas and guitar riffs and stuff like that that we wanted to kind of revisit. And uh, our first single, again, was actually written in the studio, like um, just two days before we recorded it because wow, we knew there was one piece of a song, of that song, uh, The Bridge, that was written back in 2007. And we were like, man, we, we liked the, the other song, but we really loved the bridge from it. So we did, totally rewrote that whole song around the bridge, all the, all the lyrics, all the melody. And that happened with a few songs on this record um, that we wrote like on the spot. And I, I, I like doing that. I mean, there's a certain degree of love. I love going to the studio, being prepared, knowing what we're doing. And we, you do, you know. But I love also the stuff that comes off the cuff that like a song comes out on the record that didn't even exist the day before mm-hmm. we went in to record, you know? I, I love stuff like that because that's the kind of stuff that keeps you, it keeps you fresh and it keeps it exciting while you're in the studio. You're not just playing, you're not recording songs you've been demoing for the past six months, you know? It's, it's um, magical. Now the album title itself came from a conversation. We were uh, having a, a, like a, a band call back, uh, I guess it was first of the year, talking about getting, at this point we didn't even know we were going to the studio. We were just trying to make plans, you know? We're going, yeah, okay. Yeah. We knew we were doing Shiprock the 1st of February. Um, we had a few shows after that in Florida, and we're like, let's try to get in the studio 1st of March. And we were talking about songs and blah, blah. And I think it was John, our bass player, that said, you know, a lot of these songs we've got right now in the catalog, you know, are talking about the human condition and things, blah, blah, blah. And Chris said, oh, that's a kind of a cool title. We should kind of Rolodex that. And we did, and we got in the studio, we had a couple other titles floating around, but they didn't really hit home, and everybody kept coming back to the human condition. And it just kind of like, in a weird, non-cliche way, when I say it, it named itself in a way, because you know John said it off the cuff, and then we start to look at all the songs that were on the record and all the lyrics, and we're like, man, this really does touch on that to a degree, and, and what a year to have it, you know, an album like that, too, that, that says that, cause everybody's going through so many different emotions and conditions, it's like, it was like, it was perfect in a way. Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, uh, Justin, when you brought that up, all I could think of is like in my mind to know that it existed before where we're at too. just I immediately was like, it's a perfect idea, you know, but if you were there before you even got that, how much more unique and, you know, real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, do you guys. So one of the things I've always loved about you your band, well, I should say recently, even more always loved about your band is that you're producing your own records. You have your own studio. Is uh, Did you make it in the same uh, same way that you did the last two records uh, in Kentucky and in your, in your own studio producing it yourself? Or did you go somewhere else for this? We did do it in Kentucky and we self-produced it again. This time we recorded, uh, John, our bass player, built a studio over the last couple of years. 
And it's, gotcha. in the middle, it's in the middle of nowhere. And him and Chris really love studio stuff. And they, they love the learning about, you know, uh, uh, mics, microphones and mic placement and pre all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so they love that stuff. So John put a lot of time and effort uh, into building a, a fantastic studio. And we actually recorded uh, our last, we did a blues EP too. Um, that came out a couple years or last mm. year. And mm. it's, it's things we do in between records, you know, and yeah. um, we did that there. And it's, just, it's a perfect studio. It's in the middle of nowhere. He's got great equipment. And we went in there just kind of, we had no cell phone service. Um, there's no, t- there's no television. There's nothing to keep you distracted from what we're there to do. And that's, I really do enjoy that. It's great. So is it, it's, the studio is in Kentucky, right? You guys yes. are out right outside. Where are you at in Kentucky again? So I live in a town called Glasgow. And yeah. the other guy, John lives in, uh, John lives uh, close to me now. He just moved. He lives in Cave City, which is home of Mammoth Cave. Yeah. Cave City and Horse Cave. And then John Fred and Chris live in Edmonton. But the studio is in a place uh, called Sulfur, Sul- I can't even say it, Sulfur Well, Kentucky. Is a lot of sulfur there? There is a sulfur uh, <laughs> like reservoir type thing. You can sample the sulfur water out of a tap. It's pretty bizarre, but it's it's in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't like I couldn't even get there after the first five times me being there because it's like you have to turn on this road then go down this. It's bizarre. Wow. But uh, we love it, and he did a great job with it. And it's our kind of like our little hideaway, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Ben, hey. I had a couple of questions. I'm sorry, Chad. No, no, no. I, I just had a couple questions. Obviously, with the new album, you've got the two songs that are out right now, uh, Ringing in My Head and Again. Um, do you feel like these are just a kind of a continuity of what you did uh, with the last record, last, the last two or three records? I mean, like Family Tree in Kentucky. Did you just kind of feel like you guys had this is our sound and this is what we're kind of sticking to? Because you guys do mix in a lot of elements that could be considered like and don't modern hip hop to a certain extent on some of the way some of the lines are saying. Sure. And obviously there's a lot of country artists that borrow heavily from what you guys do. Like I can never, never get past Southern fried Friday night. And I'm like, you know what? If this was a Luke Bryan song, it'd be friggin' a smash. Right. Right. And well, a lot of those bands, I hear a lot of those bands, those country bands. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds like uh, what Blackstone's doing. And yeah. is, is, is there a certain sound you guys have just cemented yourself on? And this we're going with because the, the two new tracks feel like they're very, you know they're they're very what's the word continuity as, with the, with your guys and stuff you've done in the past. I think what, what I'm, I guess what I'm asking is there a need to ever branch out? I mean, you know, to to kind of try something completely different. With us, what we've done is with each album, like we're influenced by so many different genres of music, um, from obviously rock and blues especially and yeah big time we love reggae we love hip-hop we love heavy metal country we love i love gospel music it's like in rockabilly there's so much different stuff that we listen to it's crazy we've never really said we have to be this one form of band you know what i mean because at that point mm-hmm. you just get bored it's like well i've written the same riff and drop d a thousand times what are we going to do next you know what i mean yeah so with us we've always we're always rooted in rock and roll of course um, but we kind of will sprinkle in some different things. Like we've had songs that might be more country rock leaning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then we've had songs that are more blues rock leaning. Um, I think with this record, we kind of said, uh, oh. uh, are you back? Oh, Sorry. I've never played a clip for a minute. I'm like, oh man, this is <laughs> great. Call me. Bam, let me drop Sorry. this hit on you right now. <laughs> uh, with this record, uh, we, we were like, look, man, uh, we need to kind of, uh, we were just ready to make like a more of a hard rock record. Um, and also, we'll ne- we're never going to sacrifice the our, the ballads. We love writing. Uh, yeah. We love writing ballads because, you know, emotionally, we have lyrics that are more fit for those type songs than the heavy songs. But I think um, after the last few, we just kind of said, let's make it more, you know, just a, a, uh, a raw rock and roll record that is, you know, you know, not, I don't want to say strip down because it's got a great, so there's lots of great elements yeah. on this stuff that we haven't done before. But um, if anything, I think this album sounds more like our first three albums put together than anything else. Yeah, returning to your roots, which, and I'm sorry, Chad, I just had to, I had to follow it up to this. Yeah. And I hate to put you guys in this position, but this is where, you I mean, when people think of you guys, is there a responsibility to bands like Blackstone and maybe Blackberry Smoke? 
to kind of uphold the Southern rock tradition? I mean, people have have said that before and asked us about that before, and I think that, you know, we are going to be we're going to have that southern thing about us we, we can't mm-hmm. wash that off of us if we tried you know what i mean right like right. we can try to sound one way we can try to do this and this and this but you know it's just in our dna it's in the way we talk and the way we play and the way chris sings you know it's just it's just the way it is but i do think that genre for a minute there mm-hmm. uh well in back in the 70s it was huge and especially mm-hmm. in the mid late 70s i mean you had skinner and molly hatchet and blackfoot and uh, Wet Willie, all these incredible bands. I can't believe you mentioned Wet Willie. That's great. Yeah, oh, I knew was going to come next. Yeah, yeah. Almond <laughs> Brothers, of course, and it's like you yeah. know, and then it, that kind of the genre kind of faded out, of course, and then now it's kind of made a resurgence to a degree. Um, so if people if people think that we have uh, the capability to to continue that on, then uh, we're forever grateful for that because that's a genre that's very close to us. Well, you can't escape a great groove and a great lyric. So, and if that's, sure. what, if that's what Southern Rock's tradition is, then you know what? That's a good place to be stuck. Right. You're exactly right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Chad. Uh, give me that time. I did. I just had this question because I know I was like, man, as soon as I talk to Ben, I got to ask him this one thing. No, I appreciate oh, you, that. Yeah. Thanks. You dude. can you can toss me to side whenever you want. My my, my questions are usually <laughs> just gen, generally you know aimed at poo poo pee pee jokes, but uh, trying to reel it in tonight for Ben because I, I, I have so much respect for it. <laughs> Uh, so I have uh, I do have some questions about the record. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw the record up on on the screen. So when um, you know people at home are looking for it on Spotify when it does release or whatnot, uh, the the record f- I haven't I haven't listened to anything besides the two songs that have been out. And like he said, I I, I noticed a little change. The meat and potatoes of your band, where you started, you know, the nuts and bolts of putting it all together as kids, uh, really show it really shows from those first three, three records to you know. The transitional phases to now where you are here right. you guys have been a band though uh and put out what this is your seventh full length correct it is and how long have you, the original four members nobody else has left nobody else has come in you know that whole entire uh, the idea of we're bros before hoes to the very end man right. uh, how did you how, how do you you have to be very prideful on this man i don't know if you are but as you know, as we've toured um, so many times individually, we've seen bands change uh, members over and over and over again. How did you guys maintain seven records from Kentucky and with four dudes being yeah. best of friends the entire time? What's you know, the secret? It, it, uh, that's one of the most things that I'm proud of among everything that we've been able to do, whatever venue or, or uh, recollection whatever we've gotten the fact that we're still the four dudes we started i was 15 we started i'm 34 now and it was in 2001 and it's been the same four guys and people have asked us before like what has been the secret what has been the deal and i was like i don't know if it's an exact secret or formula i said but our thing has always been that we are friends before we're a band Mm. and that's been the thing that's kept us going is that we, we we love each other and we love each other's families and we're there for each other in good times, bad times, band business, non-band business. Um, you know, and that's an important thing. Is that was look like I care. We care about each other's mental health and well-being, and each other's family's well-being before we care about well, you know, you know, Blackstone Cherry. And I think that's what's kept us cohesive and kept us humble and kept us together. You know, the minute you start looking at each other just as a colleague or somebody you require, you need to also do your job, then it. It gets kind of weird then, you know, and we split everything equally. We split everything equally. We've always done it, you know, from the beginning. I could write a song right now, 100% by myself, and show it to the band. And if Blackstone Cherry is going to record it, then that song is getting split four ways, and vice versa. You know, if Chris or John Frey was to do it, and that's just the way we said, look, we're friends. We're all on the same team, you know. That's some Nashville shit. Everything's equal, (laughs) and, uh, you know. It's just, the, it's just the way we've been. I'm super, super proud of that. Yes. I mean, seriously, dude, like that, there's a secret. I think you just, uh, you, you just kind of, uh, if you said there's not a secret, the secret really is treating each other like equals in every way, shape or form, because one hash, one hand will definitely wash the other at some point. Right. You right. know, you might be non band related. You might be stuck on the side of the road, hundred miles away from home. Trucks broke down. You don't know. It's two o'clock right. in the morning. You don't know anybody here. You barely got a cell phone signal. All you can say is mile marker, this highway, please help. 
those motherfuckers are going to be some one of those motherfuckers who ever picked up the phone at that point right. in time are going to come and yeah. absolutely right you know you start putting those transactional things uh you know in the way of that it's going to be the one who has who shares the more more of that pie that actually comes out and gets you and i i just have to say like you said i'm i'm just proud to hear that that can exist and know you guys and and, and just be well, thank you be you guys are beacons to that so i mean there's very few of me i look at seven dust the same way you know even when even with clint stepping away and they come i mean coming back you know and that whole entire version of their nucleus i mean good or bad you know yeah i think it bears i appreciate that i think it bears the fact you keep production in-house you got a team agent management also have to be on on board with that kind of mindset so there's you that whole unit is not just the band it's everyone that's in that periphery and as Chad mentioned, Seven Dust is a great example. But then you can take someone like Iron Maiden. They think that way, too. It's a yeah. family. They get the same crew for 30 years. Yeah. And that's this like us, too. Like, it, even our crew yeah. members, our crew members are family. Like, we, we never, like, when we, we've hired people in, we're like, look, you're either part of the family or, you can't, or you're not a part of the family. You know what I mean? We, yeah. We've never hired mem- crew members in just to be temporary dudes that we can just recycle through. But we just don't believe in that. And, you know. I know sometimes that's easier said than done, um, but it's like if I if we're gonna have somebody on the bus living with us, we're trusting them. You know, we never say that they work for us; they work with us. We're all doing this together. You know, so our crew members, like we text them, we have a big group text, and we text just each other about random things all the time. You know, even non music related. It's like we we love each other. Like I was at the I was at the, my wife and I were at the mall the other day. And me and our guitar tech, Junior, we love scary movies. We love Halloween. And I was in Spencer Guess. And uh, big up to Spencer Guess. Hadn't been in there since I was like in uh, middle <laughs> school when it was like I was afraid to go in there. And I go in there and they have this classic, classic Halloween Michael Myers meets Jaws t-shirt. And I immediately sent it to Junior, our guitar tech. I said, buddy, you got to, you know, Spencer Guess, go right now. He takes him back later and is like, I went over and got it. You know, this is the way we are. We're like, it's not just like we're friends on the road. We're friends on the road, off the road, all the time. Well, it all comes back to the one big word, trust. Sure. So, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a great, that's a great segment, man. That's, that's a really good segment. I think a lot of artists need to hear that. You know, it's, that's, that was good. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. I don't want to expand on it too much because we have a, I have a lot of, I mean, you have a lot of stuff going on that I want to talk about it. Uh, but I, I want to say something because Justin mentioned it. Um, you talked about management and the family and the team that you put around you. Uh, I, I'm managed by Vin, right? You're right. managed by Vin. In the Hailstorm camp, same, Indigo, Bill and those, those cats with Vin over there, that is family. And when you find those team members that will, will stick up for you, put their fists right. in the air for you, and, and, buy, and also listen to you when you want to do something that's probably not the best idea for your career but at the end of the day it's like hey man I'm there you know like you're you mouthed off in a bar and you're like fuck I gotta you're talking to some chick and you just gotta walk away hey one second my friend needs me and you don't even know who the fuck that person is on the other side that he's yelling at me you're like bam you know and you walk I mean that's a little bit of aggressive version I I come from a small town where that shit happened all the time and I was like no don't do that guys we're good you know but the idea what you uh, explained is it's all part of the process and now it makes a lot a lot of sense so thank you for giving us a little bit of an inclination of what you're you're all you're all about you know hey absolutely man that's what it's all about and you're right you have to have if you're you know even beyond the band and crew then goes to the team the management the label uh, booking agents they all have to understand the ethos of the of the way that the band works you know and it's like Mm -hmm. you know um you know Vinny is a great guy we love Vinny and and Bambino now works with us over there and it's like man oh yeah those guys they just know the in and outs of the band they know each other they know our our um you know our strengths our weaknesses and you know yeah. it's important people understand the people behind the music you know what i mean yeah. it's, not, it's not just a product you know if you're going to work with us as a career you have to understand us you have to understand us as people and vice versa we have to understand them as people so you right. know it's like it's it's a whole cohesive thing and if that cohesive doesn't match then you got to fix it and that'd be my yeah. one piece of advice for anybody if like if you think anything is not sticking you need to fix it yeah huge huge if you're listening if anybody out there is trying to start a band or started a band and can't figure out what the next move is just look internally 
there's right. somebody in your in your friend group that is there willing. They might not have the biggest name at that point in time, but they will because you work together. Sure. Uh, start somewhere. Yeah, start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I bring bring. Uh, sorry, Justin, got another question from the. Uh, no, I was going to kind of go into what. Uh, obviously, the band is known for prolific album. Uh, releases, but you guys are a live band, man. You guys are, that's, it's you guys, you hang your hat on being this incredible live band. And I got to tell you, man, real quick, I referred to it earlier in some social media we did. Um, your live show this last 2020 in the theater was off the charts, just Thank total you. energy, exciting. And uh, it was definitely one of those things where you kind of step back, working that cruise long enough going, yep. I fucking levitated that night. That was a great fucking show. <laughs> Thank so, you. That, 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 that was great, up. man. That whole cruise was, man, I mean, oh, and you guys know. I mean, it's like you can't say enough good things about it. And, and yeah. that this last year was so good. I, I wish now, just like I'm sure you and you and every band on that boat could go back and do that cruise over again because little did we know, you know, a month from then, you know, <laughs> you know we had like yeah. four shows after that, like literally four yeah. shows once we got the boat. And that was our, that's been our last show of the year. February 15th is our last show. Dude, if we would have known then, we would have said, hey, Captain, can you mind turning the freaking boat around? Well, let's redo this. One more lap. I think we, I think yeah. we would still be out there at sea, actually. Yeah. Obviously, real quick, I talk about live show at some point because I know Chad has some interesting questions we talked about before we went live. Um, if, if, have you guys thought about maybe looking at something like doing something virtual for the album or maybe doing some drive-in type of shows that some bands, other bands are undergoing right now? Is that something that might be on the radar? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, we're, we're, we are uh, working on several, both of those things. It's just, okay. uh, I'm not at liberty to announce them. Absolutely. But just I'll like say to this, know that. I'll say this. We have been, uh, since the beginning of this, we've been like, okay, once the album was done, it got mixed, and we found out that, uh, and that part of the process was done, and we found out that all of our shows were getting canceled or postponed. We said, okay, now it goes into, now we go into wartime. What do we do? You know, we're not, we can't sit around and mope and go, oh man, we're just going to set this one out. Say, okay, what, now that we've set it out for a few months, like, okay, now what? We, ha we have to think, uh, we have to be proactive. We have to think ahead of the game here. How can we get out there in front of people in some way? Um, so we do have some things up our sleeve, you know, I know that's so cliche. I hate being that guy. We got some things I can't say. I hate that. But it's like, <laughs> he I shakes them out. They just fall hey, out. Man, there's like, no legality yeah. to it. We get it there. Yeah. There's, there's a big turkey stick. Uh, trust me. We, we are a band that likes to work. Uh, our band li likes to work and we like to do what we love. And that's been taken from us for a while. So, we have some uh, things that we're excited to dev out that are coming out. Uh, if, I, if I didn't ask this question, is this ship rocker Daniel? He's kind of a, a legend, urban legend. His name is Daniel Fireball because he, he seems to love the cinnamon oh, yeah. stuff. Gotcha. Anywho, he keeps asking this question. He won't get off. He goes, when you go live, is there a way you could just play the towns that are alive, allowing live shows? I had to put it out there. That's your question to answer. You know what? We've thought about that too. And the, way, the reason that can prove difficult to a degree is that so if when a booking agent is looking at putting a show together, let's say somewhere in Illinois has a venue that is allowing uh, or has a venue big enough that mm -hmm. can allow for indoor social distancing, right? And they can put on the show safely and the, the government approves of it. Okay, that's a show in Illinois. They're, they're able to give us X amount of dollars to go up there and do it. Then the next nearest place that's available that can do something like that is maybe 700 miles away, you know, it becomes it proves to be difficult then because it becomes less cost effective you know because we have to yeah. pay for the bus we have to pay for our crew so it's harder where you just you can go i'm gonna play chicago tonight then we're gonna go like a suburb of chicago the next night and then they yeah. right to get now everything is so kind of sporadically spaced out as things are reopening it's hard to book like a run of shows you know mm -hmm. um but if there's a place out there a venue or a city or state that is allowing that that can when we can get there and it makes sense um, yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll go do it. Yeah. Otherwise it's a routing nightmare. So mm -hmm. yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine, you That's know, 700 miles you need to throw in your usual route will be throw. We'll sprinkle in three or four shows until we get right. to our next, you know, Portland or wherever you're is after Chicago. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know. right. Daniel, I hope that answers your question. It's just kind of logistically hard. It is yeah. hard. So, uh, all right. You know, the only people who really, the people who pay that, logistically hard price are the fans because at the end of the day 
it's the ticket price, right? That right. that generates the income to cover the overhead, to pay the band, everything, right? Right. And nobody's walking. The band can't walk away with zero dollars. You know, right. the whole point is to keep moving. So if you think about it, what you just said, and then you think about that 700 miles of travel and the days that it'll take to get to said places, that income that you're paying your crew and the bus and all that stuff would only have to be, uh, would could only be made up by the ticket cost to the fan. And right. that's not fair. So it's, it's like, a, it's a consistent, yeah. yeah, it's a consistent version of like, how do we get around this one hurdle? But one hurdle comes to 10. Dan, I hear you. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a talent buyer. I don't yeah. know if you know this about, about me, Ben, but like, so this, I could talk about this all of the time because it's yeah. my worst right now, for instance, I'm able to do drive-in theaters in Michigan, but unless there's something around me that can do the same and it's cost effective, I don't have, and I, I don't have a shot in the dark, right? Just can't come in for one day. Hey, um, uh, I don't know why you haven't sent us an offer yet there. Uh, it just happened today. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I for sure. Just called. I bet it is. <laughs> Um, I'm so <laughs> I, I know for sure, but for real though, um, I, I wanted to ask you, cause talking about live stuff, um, you've, your band has toured with some monumental acts over your career. I'm, I'm talking like Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, uh, Nickelback, Whitesnake, Chickenfoot, you know, like the, the list goes on and on. And then, and, and then, yeah, <laughs> then on top of that, your your growth from those seven albums, specifically in the UK and overseas, you're, you're a fucking arena band, you know? That's like, I don't even know how many rock bands in the United, from the United States of America are actually arena bands in those spaces. Throughout your entire touring um, existence as a band, do you have, I have two questions. One, do you have a favorite tour that wasn't your own headlining, like a supporting slot? I mean, that's a lot of time to cover, so I, I don't expect you to like, you know, uh, throw any, anybody under the bus, you know, here, but uh, by picking one and not the other. But the, sure. and the second part of it is, do you have a favorite? I don't even know if it would be a favorite. Do you have a memory from those first, the, the first tour when you were playing in those size spaces when it was Blackstone, you know, Blackstone's Cherries show, not Alice Cooper's? Right. I think, I mean, just because it was somewhat recent, one of our favorite support tours we've done uh, in several years has been the Alice Cooper tour we did. And that was, la it was as actually, it sucks because my Facebook is sending me daily uh, memories. Because ah. it was oh, this God. time last year we were on it. It's and yeah. it, it was, it was over, it was in all across Europe. And now I'm getting like daily memories popping up going, you were in Paris. Look at you being great <laughs> last year. <You> know? <laughs> they need to say, Facebook needs to say, what are you doing now? Yeah. You were great, you were great last year. You were great last year, but now, nope. nope. It's like, uh, it's like yeah. Netflix's little reminder. Are you yeah. sure you want to continue watching? You're like, oh right. man, I should go to bed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, our seven day trial has run its course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Cooper was great. Uh, because um, he is just a phenomenal person. Like, not only is he a great entertainer, like he as a person, as a human being, his wife and him and his whole band and crew, amazing. And that tour was just so cool because like getting to watch his show every night was like watching Halloween come to life. And mm. it was awesome. And we, we loved every single minute of that. Also, that I have cool. to say like, I still have great memories from one of our first tours ever in 2006. We were supporting Buckcherry. And we were touring in a Yukon. Um, <laughs> it was like our first album hadn't even come out yet. And we were out there supporting them. We, that was our first time really hitting the road. You know what I mean? Like leaving home. It was just four band. We had two crew guys that were just our buddies. And we, we put like 45,000 miles on this Yukon in four months. And we went up to Canada and we went all across the U.S. Um, in some great places. And I remember just, I remember that tour being so fun. Um, because we would stop anytime we wanted to pull the Yukon over at a truck stop or a hotel or anything, you know, we, we lived it up. We loved every single minute of it. Um, so I still have a lot of fond memories from those, those early days of just being so uh, you know, naive and new and just everything was exciting. I, I love that. Yeah. Now uh, there's, so there's growth from 2006 in the Yukon to 2019 playing Wembley. That's, that's kind of like, well, yeah. I, I tell you, and you asked about 
some of our own shows. Our first ever arena tour we did was in 2014, and that was our first arena tour. And it was like, man, when you go to when you pull into Wembley and you get, I remember getting off the bus that morning, and you know, um, I remember actually I'll go back the first night of the tour, um, seeing like three tour buses and all these semi trucks, things that you would normally see at somebody else's show, and you go, wait a second here, this is our stuff, you know, this is. Like these truck, these semi trucks are here because of us, and, and and these but not because of us, like you know what I mean. But you know yeah. the reason they're here yeah. is because yeah, it's they're our kind stuff. of they're kind but, of you know I, I don't ever want to come off you know condescending when I say that. But no, of course not. That that was super humbling to go. Oh my gosh! Like and also nerve wracking. You know, it's like there's no you know a support show. You might go well, you know. We, you know, who, no matter how many people's out there, we'll blame it on the headliner for the lack of whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this, is, this is our show, you know? Yeah. And it, was, it was just super bizarre and, um, you know, just an incredible blessed feeling going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. The reason these people um, are out here right now is because of, of our band. Because I think back to 2001 when we were playing Mexican restaurants, splitting 20 bucks a piece. And it's like, dude, yeah. this is incredible. Wow. It's like, uh, what, what did Grohl say in that one documentary? He goes, he was sleeping, and they realized that they were doing Wembley. He goes, he woke up, he goes, oh, my God, we're playing Wembley. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They do, yeah. It's like, man, that's just incredible. And it's like, it's like an out-of-body experience when you play, when you get on those stages. It's like a sure. lower culture. It, there's so much nerves leading up to it, and then it's like over before you know it. And you want to, do, you want to immediately do it again. You know. So uh, speaking of the way, that's a perfect segue, by the <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. Uh, Ben. Uh, Shiprock. Let's talk about you guys. Have been uh, almost a house band for us, thank God. Uh, you, Seven Dustin Wilson, have like played that thing multiple times. Yeah. And, uh, your experience the first time you ever played it, and then this, as compared to like the last time you guys rolled through. First time is a great story. We did it. Uh, it was its second year, and it's when it was half chartered. Oh, and it was on the uh, it was on MSC Cruise Line MSC Poesia I think it was with those uh, beautiful the, the 10 o'clock pizza bar closed yeah it closed. well it's, this is a funny joke so, <laughs> so the boat was the MSC I think it was I, we called it the Poesia it could just be us being southern but <laughs> you know we, we call it we call it now the never again well here's what, here's what we called it we called it the MSC Poesia shit <laughs> 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 well, look, and it was a good boat, but it was so bizarre with it being half chartered. Sure. Uh, because, as you guys know, you know, half of it's rock and roll fans, half of it's like pleasure cruisers who got a great discount. And it was like mm-hmm. us and uh, Tesla and Vince Neil and some other artists. But it was it was cool because um, it was on our second cruise we'd ever done, and it was like we were just excited to be on open water plant show. It's like, come on, you know, you can't really complain at the end of the day. You know, yeah. uh, you can't complain about just eating hot dogs and fries every single day. It's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're in. Yeah. Um, so that was our first experience. And then we did it again. I think it was 20. Uh, Man, 13. it just it bleeds into each other. I think it was 2013 we did it because uh, corn mm-hmm. was no, I can't remember who was on there. But anyway, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing has gotten so much bigger all of a sudden. You know, it went yeah. from being half chartered to sold out before the announcement, before the lineups even announced. Mm-hmm. Just like this year or this past year. is like, man, this was insane. Uh, I, I just know that I'm, I'm proud of uh, y'all's team and Alan, everything that, that y'all have accomplished over the years. Because to see it start from, like, from our first time playing it to what it is now, it's become like a world-renowned festival at sea. It went from something just getting catching on to now it's like people, you know, this is what people spend their savings. This is what this is their vacation one time a year, yeah, and yeah. it's just an incredible testament to the dedication people have to to the uh, environment that you all create on the boat and the activities and and the music and it's just there's no there's no fuss there's no fight not not to that, that I saw anyway you know and that's a good thing. It might it might happen. But as long as the people don't have to be involved in it or don't know about it, they're there to have a great time, and I think it's great. So man, that, pat, that pat really, us on the back, man. That really that really means a lot coming from you because we're such well respected artists and and friend, obviously of 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 Asphorn and all of us. And so, man, that, Ben, that means a lot to us, and obviously means a lot to the Ship Rockers because they're the ones that provide that environment that make it sure. so rich and 
and fun and 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 just really suitable for artists to come on and have a good time and and uh, what was your experience like with ship rockers the first time uh you know obviously the half ship is kind of a weird thing so that's almost out of play like the first time you did the full ship yeah uh, i have to know like what that felt like you know that, that, that was awesome because um to see like because the first cruise we'd ever done was a vh1 cruise and it was like a oh, wow. pop rock cruise it was like us and three doors down and shine down was on there too and lifehouse and uh so it was kind of a mixture of like you know pop rock bands and i don't know how we even got that cruise to be honest with you oh yeah <laughs> and then uh um so to do we did the ship rocks so to do a full boat a full just like essentially you know rock and hard rock fans it was like okay this this feels a little this feels kind of like home here because people are all there and everybody, all the fans that go on that ship are supporting every single set. You know what I mean? There's not like, you don't have like the crude fans that turn their back because it's not the band they came to see. They're mm-hmm. all there to have a good time and love everybody's performance. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's incredible. There's no better feeling than, than playing a show on the boat and then you walk off. What I do as I go dry off, I immediately go to the buffet because I'm starving. <laughs> and then, um, then we get cocktails and we hang out all night. It's like that—that that is paradise. Yeah, that's a pretty good hang. It's um, a good hang, seriously. Yeah. So uh, we want to do this thing. Um, we we want to talk to you. Obviously, you guys have been doing the record, um, and that was kind of like your downtime for COVID. Even though you there was really a downtime, you guys just were making a record. Uh, but during that time, you and your wife have been uh, busy with two two things. We'd like to talk about the first is we'll just keep it. Uh, First thing is the surf monster, the surf apparel. What uh, what's going on with that? What what? There, Chad, look at that, amazing. Look at him go. No what, big uh, deal. What brought that on? Are you are you a surfer? Are you just like the beach singer? Is just it was just a, a, something you saw that you wanted to always do. You know, it's something I've wanted to do for a mi- uh, 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 several uh, several minutes actually. I mm-hmm. don't say a minute because uh, um, but you know you have to have time to dedicate to something like this. You know, yes. so normally I, I've had the idea in my head for a while. Um, but when you're on the road, if you're going to try to start another business or especially an apparel business, it's hard, yeah. you know? So when I found out again, that most of our shows were being canceled, I remember telling, uh, Jessica, my wife, I said, look, you know, I have to keep myself creatively, creatively busy. I cannot just sit on my hands this year. I said, so I'm going to take this time and I'm going to devote it to another passion of mine, which is starting this apparel line because we both love the beach. We both love, I love the, the, uh, the culture, the, sol- the surf culture. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love watching the videos. I love watching the professional riders on the internet. Um, I love the whole tiki culture, the beach, all that kind of stuff is, is so up my alley. Um, so, and also I love like old horror movies. So that's one that- Hence the surf creature monster. from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. So that's yeah. how the name came about, Surf Monster. And then I was kind of thinking about it. My original concept was to just do monsters meet surf. And I was like, well, I don't want to back myself into a corner so much because that might run itself dry pretty soon. Um, I said, I'm just going to make a lifestyle brand and Mm -hmm. a surf monster. Anybody could be a surf monster, whether you're on, you know, if you're a wakeboarder or a skier or whatever, you know, it's all about just being on the appreciating and loving the lifestyle of the water uh, and, and the vacation escapism. So essentially that's how it got started. And uh, we launched it in August after several months of planning it and uh, hiring and working with different illustrators and designers because all the designs we do are 100% uh, original to to the brand. You know, there's nothing is, is stopped, taken from internet, nothing is like that, you know. Um, it's all original. So if people want that design, it has to be from Surf Monster. And it's been exciting, man. It, we I, I have loved it. I've had a blast doing it. We, we, we both love looking at different uh, designs and t-shirts and we actually have uh, our fall line of stuff. We got some hoodies and some long sleeves, and a woman's crew neck comes out on Monday next week. Excited about nice. that. No, nice. so that's going to be is that surfmonster.com then for people who want to check out the stuff and maybe pick it, up some some threads. It's a surfmonsterstore.com. So surfmonsterstore.com. Um, I'm sure Heather will get that up on the feed here, and we'll always try to help promote it as best we can. Thank you. Um, no, listen, the beach culture thing, I mean, that's year round. And, and people are like, well, it's not coastal if you're in Kentucky. I'm like, there's riverways, there's lakes, everyone's doing everything in boats. There's surf boats. Yep. Well, in Louisiana, also, man, we have surf planes, boats. you know, that'll yeah. take you. Oh, do, we have spent so much time. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a plane, you, you know, plane. Yeah. We've spent so much time on the lake this year. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. We, we, we've loved it. And 
um, you know, I, I, we go to bed every single night and I have a sound machine. We listen to the ocean. It's just like, it's just such a peaceful thing to me. It, it calms Absolutely. me down and I, I just love it. So do you yeah. Ever listen I, to, do you ever take a conch shell and listen to it and see what you can hear? You can really hear the ocean still in there. I swear. You can. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, for sure, man. There's something. I love it. Now the, the other thing obviously is, uh, it's kind of a different thing. It's the Henry and Clark foundation. And, uh, you want to tell people what this is about? Cause it's, it's pretty in depth and, obviously i mean we're all big uh animal rescue folks and i think everyone sure. there there has a dog or a cat obviously uh with the children aspect of it right now what we're seeing is an absolute epidemic of child trafficking and everything and i don't want to get too heavy here but let's be honest sure. and truthful yeah. about what's going on so you guys coming along with this i, I definitely something think it's something that people need to hear about so if you'd like to tell us about that yeah um this idea came about uh october of last year we were on the, we were on the road and I called Jessica and I said, hey, uh, you might think I'm crazy, but I have this wild idea. Um, I want to start a, a nonprofit organization and I want to call it the Henry and Clark Foundation. And I want to do it about, uh, I want it to go towards animals of, of all kind, obviously pets, obviously dogs and cats and things of that nature, but also like uh, wildlife, marine life, especially, you know, because look, every time we get a thing from, if we get like a, some drinks from Walmart or whatever, and it comes in those plastic ring things. Mm -hmm. It's important. Uh, we always cut the, make sure you cut those holes, you know, because that stuff, people might think it matters, but when you see those videos of a turtle getting their neck stuck through a Pepsi ring, it makes yeah. you sad. So, yeah. yeah. Cut those, put them on the track. Uh, anyway, we want to help out all kinds of, of animals. And then uh, she was uh, obviously immediately on board, and she has a huge passion uh, for a, uh, uh, helping young kids, young teens. She's a, a character coach through FCA, which is fellow Christian, uh, fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, she te she uh, does that for like volleyball and basketball and stuff like that. So she was like, let's also incorporate kids that might be less fortunate or struggling or, or uh, dealing with a foster care situation or whatnot. So we married the two of them together and that's what the foundation is about. And so, we were able to do some really cool stuff uh, before the before the pandemic. Some of the, the pandemic did shut some of our ideas down, but last Christmas we did a whole big uh, 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 dog and cat food uh, uh, drive to our local animal shelter with leashes and toys and food. And then um, in March of, or the first of March of this, this year, we, uh, uh, Nashville and some surrounding counties in, in uh, Tennessee was hit by a terrible tornado and uh, we were able to help those shelters down there because they had a lot of stray animals that got, they got lost and the shelters were getting flooded with people's animals and they didn't have enough food to care for them so our hometown helped us raise a bunch of money and supplies and then we did an Easter basket thing around Easter for local kids uh, that might not normally get an Easter basket on Easter Sunday so um, we just try and do cool stuff like that. You know, we've learned that everybody wants to help and everybody mm -hmm. wants to give. You just kind of, sometimes you have to kind of put that in front of people's faces, you know, and I'm guilty of that as well. So we said, look, let's start a foundation and a nonprofit that we can do stuff and, and, and give back and use our platform to give back in a positive way. No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think philanthropy is, is a complete extension for anyone who has a creative mindset and creative direction. I mean, it's just, because it's obviously it's all about giving to the greater good. Sure. So listen, that's amazing. And that people can find you again. Can you give us the website again, please? Yeah, it's the Henry and Clark Foundation dot org. Okay. And, uh, and both Henry and Clark Foundation, uh, that's on Instagram and Facebook. If you just search that and just surf monsters as well, too. But, uh, you know, I, I love, uh, you know, I love almost I have a bad habit. It's a blessing and a curse with overwhelming myself with stuff. Um, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't think, you know, well, you know, that comes to a question and that comes to like, you go back to the end of the day, it goes back to branding. I mean, there's a branding for bands, there's a branding for people. And I think this is part of your brand now, Ben. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. It, may, it. I enjoy it. It keeps me busy. keeps me creative. keeps me active. And, uh, that's what I need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chad, what do you have for him? Let's let's get it back. Let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the music. But that was great. Thanks, Ben. It's always great to see artists branching out and doing things, and a lot of them are doing some incredible things. So hey, thank I, you for I, being I, part I, of that I fraternity. Appreciate the, um, I appreciate the support on that. Thank you, guys. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Man.
Um, there's two things I just wanted to, to mention. One of those things is on my first tour ever was in a Yukon as well with Wilson. We had uh, done the same exact, literally word for word what you were saying, like driving around, putting all the miles on. I mean, who sat in the back? That's I want to ask. Who, who sat in the very back, the fifth row or the third I think, row? The fifth. I think we rotated it like whoever, because like, that okay. had like, maybe more space to lay down in, you know, but it was always mm. like pillow on top of the next guy on top of pillow, you know, it's just. It's just the way it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had f- four members. Did you have anybody touring with you on that tour? Yeah, we had. There was four of us plus two at the time. We had two crew guys, that were our buddies that we took out. So <laughs> they mainly drove a lot. They would sit up front and drive, and then uh, we had like a cooler in the back. Uh, yeah. And then we would we would eat cereal. I remember we had cereal and milk. And we put it in a cooler with ice, and we had solo cups because we didn't have we didn't want to keep bowls and a bunch of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, we would put cereal in a solo cup and eat it out of that. And then just, we had a trash bag and then you know, it was just, it was ridiculous, but that's how we had to make do, you know? Yeah. I, uh, my favorite part of my least favorite part, but also favorite part of that period of time was ramen packets. And then you crack them up and then you take just a tiny bit of water and you put it in the pack with the, sh- with the, uh, the chicken flavored, whatever yeah. powder, you shake it up, let it sit for about five minutes. And then they're just chicken flavored chips. Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Look at you being you know, every once in a while, I, 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 I bust that move out when I'm like, where's the green room? And they're like, there's not one. I'm like, no big deal. Got a back full of ramen, you know, or whatever. I'm already full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me, man. Um, the, I really, really just wanted to talk about there was something beyond the, the Shiprock experience, because it's a whole world completely different than anything else that has ever been right a, a cruise ship rock and roll I- adventure but you guys moving back to this moment of playing arenas like Wembley in the UK and then the humbling experience of coming back and touring in the U- US which has nothing to do with anything else in my opinion anything else other than what rock and roll does in certain different demographics and geographical locations you know like when you can speak the Kentucky language, right? This idea over in in these arenas in Wembley and then coming back and doing the same thing and playing the clubs and theaters here. What do you think that, what do you think that there is? What, what's the difference? What's happening? What's the mentality? You know, you see it before anybody else. So please tell us, please. Um, people have asked us that before, honest to God. And we've talked about it with other bands before um, that, that kind of might, might share the same feelings and we, I, the only thing I can attribute it to is that I know like rock and roll in Europe is, is still like the cat daddy you know what I mean um, <laughs> I love it, cat daddy I'm using yeah. that forever now yeah. thank you whereas in the US maybe um, it's more hip hop or country are the two and pop you know of course are, are the big things I'm not saying yeah. rock is dead I'm not I'm never gonna be one of no, those no. who says that but it's like, you know, those are the guys that reign supreme in the U.S., you know. Um, I've talked to people that live in London before that have never heard the name Garth Brooks, if that puts <laughs> it in perspective. But yeah. they can tell you who David Coverdale is and what he wore in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, I need to that person and, and buy them a beer. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's the weird difference. So, And also, they still have so many – there's so many outlets in Europe. There's rock magazines. Yeah. You know, there's they still play music physical. Videos. Yes, physical. Yeah. Um, they're still playing music videos on TV. Their radio is different than here. Um, there is like there are stations over there that are so many rock oriented stations and this and this and it's like and there's the, the U.S. has some great festivals too. Don't get me wrong at all, but you know Europe, we got a lot of the ideas in the U.S. from the European festivals. Yeah, so Europe's sure. been doing these rock festivals for years. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I, it's just a thing. It's just you know, it, it you know, it's still it's still really really big over there. And I think that when you go over there as a band, and for us, we were so nervous and naive. We didn't know what to do our first tour over there. We weren't trying to go over there and be Black Sabbath or the Rolling Stones, just because we thought, well, if we act English, maybe they'll like us. You know, <laughs> it was like no, we were like just four Southern dudes that were just scared. You know, and, uh, and I think the fans appreciated that over the years. They've seen our transparency. We're very transparent. We're open about everything. I think they respect that, you know? That can be mm-hmm. the only thing I contribute to is that 
our, our transparency to the audience there and the fact that um, Europe still has a lot of outlets for rock to be discovered. Yeah, the infrastructure is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you can, I mean, people in Belgium can come see your show in London or Edinburgh or whatever, like on a, a two hour flight or hour flight or yeah. train ride or whatever. But I, you're right, though, uh, Ben, mentioning publications, which are still a huge driver. I mean, you know, Rock and Prague, they all come out of that whole the London, as far as like any of those kind of big magazines, whether it's Metal Hammer or whatever, what do we have over here now? Decibel? That's it. Right. And that's yeah. more about grindcore and the noise stuff and not so much about straight ahead rock. So, yeah. Now, a lot of the magazines you do see, like in a Barnes and Noble or something in the music section, they're all imports they're, from over there. Yeah. They're all 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the clickbait that they're necessarily, there's more trust. We, get, we talked about trust earlier, and I feel like touring over there, I, I seen it in my own version. It's like well, the, people trust what the editors and you know in chief are, are putting right. into their their mags like they took the time to listen and they didn't focus on the clickbait or the advertising right. dollars mm -hmm. it happens but it's not the main driver you know sure absolutely yeah. yeah i love that i love the idea that you can be both you know and then you know back here yeah it, it, keep, it keeps us very humble and it keeps us level and obviously there's there is so much to appreciate about both you know what i mean yeah absolutely uh, it's like yeah. man you know playing the arenas is, is incredible and it's fun and it's like there you know but then there's nothing that takes away the feeling of playing a small club where you can fist bump yeah. somebody in the front row like yeah. you will never top that so you know it's where you uh, get your chops from right I there love, those club shows i love both of them yeah, like, Shiprock like is American. like those two things. Sorry, I didn't. I just yeah, wanted to say ship. No, yeah, no, it feels like those two things. Like you get the verbose feeling, but you also get the sincerity of the honest to God, close appreciation. Of, not just the band, and not just the fan to the band, but the band to the fan. Like this right. is my, this is my people. You know, it's, right. it's, that's why I wanted to bring it up. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Listen, Ben, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask this question. We ask everyone, first album and or first song that said, you know what, Ben, I'm going to be a musician. What was it? Uh, Hound Dog, Elvis Presley. Okay. Really? My biggest, wow. my biggest influences. This is the back of my phone. It's uh, Wow. Biggest inspiration. Biggest. You went yeah. with the bold Hawaiian years. Was that something that your parents were kicking around the house or you just sought this on your own? My, it's so funny, like, like literally my obsession with Elvis has been like, I used to grow up doing impersonations. Like I had a little jumpsuit. I used to, can we, on. can we, can we hear an impersonation? I can't, but I would say, well, you know, Blackstone Cherry has done a couple, uh, Elvis songs, covers, you know, so you can find those on YouTube. That's all because of me. So, so uh, you can't give us a little bit of Elvis right now, a little Elvis snarl. I can right do now. a lip. Hey. But, uh, you know, it's good. That's what you get folks. You get the lip. Now, my parents go, we don't, it's my, my mom and dad say, uh, we just remember him coming out of the womb, like just loving Elvis and watching Elvis movies. That, that's been my, that's been my deal ever since the start. Okay. Let me ask you, are you pretty prolific and under, of all, all of this movies, you know, all the stuff he's been in? Oh, sure. What's the black and white for, what was the black and white one where he's saying by the poolside, baby, I'm so, you're so square. I don't care. That's Jailhouse Rock. Ooh. Thank you. Okay, I, I didn't know. I keep, that's my favorite song by him. Yeah, it's my favorite song. Yeah, but that that video is fantastic. He's with wearing that, that great. He's wearing a great sweater in that scene, by the way. Totally oh, the, with the pop of collar and the and he's got like the, and the girl and the, the blonde just kind of like doesn't move the whole time she's looking at him. It's just like he has no emotion. <laughs> yeah, soulless. That's the one. That's the one. Okay, thank you, man. Um. Uh, Chad, we've had we've had Ben now for an hour and five minutes. Uh, is there anything oh, we, we want to get the gentleman back to his life? Man, I mean, we touched on Shiprock. We touched on playing. I mean, all my I have six numbers points with like little uh, um, questions underneath it, and we touched every one of them. You touched me so well. Thank you so much, Ben. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Ben. I know you had to, you got to keep it under wraps right now, but I'm sure we'll we'll hear from from you guys when you guys decide to do something here before the end of the year, virtual or, or getting out to a special gig, right? Absolutely, absolutely, okay. you will. Yes. And we always like to finish up. Uh, BlackstoneCherry.com is that the website people can go to to buy music or apparel? That's the one. All right, guys out one. there in Shiprock land, remember to keep supporting these guys. I mean, you'll have plenty of time, hopefully in 2021, to see them live. They are a touring entity. They're a machine. Uh, but until then, make sure and buy their music and, and you know, buy a hoodie. It's getting into fall time.
That's we'll right. pass the equinox. Please do. Uh, anyway, right. Ben, thank you so much. Uh, can't can't thank you enough thank you. for all this, man, and everything you're doing. Good luck with Surf Monster and the Henry and um, and Clark Foundation. We're going to support you guys along the way on that one. And of thank course, you. we look forward to uh, Hallow's Eve. You're going to have uh, the new album, Human Condition, comes out. We're excited about that, man. Thank yeah. you, Gus, so so much. It's it's been Absolutely. a pleasure to speak to y'all tonight. Um, and we love the Shiprock family. We love you guys. And hopefully we'll see y'all and give you a big, big group hug very soon. We love Sloppy that. Hey, before kiss. we, before we yeah. let you go, we're actually <laughs> going to keep it once we, we sign off here. But everyone in Shiprock land, uh, we have a belated birthday for Mr. Al McManus. You guys all know Al. Father extraordinaire, incredible husband. Um, what? Baseball dad. I feel like an um, asshole. I don't. And he's also our operation manager. You guys know Al from the crew. So happy birthday to Al. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say Al one. is uh, 22. I'm going to go with Al being <laughs> 47. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm going to go with 47. So Al, correct me if I'm wrong later. So happy birthday, Al. Ben, once again, my friend, thank you. And please say hi to the band for us. Uh, yeah, please. You, know, you, you guys are super special in your family. So we appreciate everything. Thank you guys thank very you much. Again. Thank you. All right, guys. And Shiprock Lane also stay tuned on Friday. We'll have our next uh, announcement of our next guest for, uh, for next week's uh, Making Waste 12. So until then, Ben, all the best. Chad. And everyone at Sherbrooke Lang, thanks for joining in tonight, guys. We appreciate everything, and take care of yourselves. Thank you. Bye. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.